Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the dead of night, gunfire blazes in a Connecticut office building, requiring the quiet help of a new agent. Join Tillman as he plays Kevin Wilson, a crime scene specialist whose job is about to take an unexpected turn, and Adam as the handler in this Delta Green duet. Under New Management is a Delta Green scenario created by Ross Payton. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. There you can find up-to-date news and a link to our Discord. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome. This is going to be another Delta Green duet. I'm here with Tillman right now, and we are going to be playing Under New Management by Ross Payton. So today, Tillman is going to be playing Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson is a forensics investigator with the New Haven Police Department, 25-year-old man. Tillman, why don't you explain a little bit of, of Kevin to us? I imagine Kevin is kind of short. He's got blonde hair, basically no beard. He didn't really uh, get to police school. He has big dreams about like police officers and even like security personnel. In his free time, he like writes, you know, like episodic online novel stuff, you know, basically fan fiction, but it's not, it's an original story. Think maybe like the Tom Clancy type stuff. He does have some kind of following there. It's not huge, but this is quite important to him. And he like puts a lot of the things he sees at work into that. So he is, um, as you said, like in crime scene how do you say cleaner? <laughs> yeah. So basically what, what Kevin does is he goes in with a forensic team and they kind of, they, they go in after the crime has happened. After a place is documented as a crime scene, they're never the ones that are there to deal with the action, so to speak. They're more the ones that do the cleanup. And there's actual, like the literal cleanup is done by private companies of like janitor services and stuff that will go in after a crime scene has been um, thoroughly, thoroughly detailed, investigated, evidence has been gathered, everything of importance has been removed. And then there's like actual cleaners that go in and, and will clean it. Kevin is the step before that. He takes evidence like he he's skilled in taking like fingerprints I guess, any kinds of um, like hair samples or whatever and marking the floor with like chalk <laughs> where the dead body is and taking photographs and making sure the lighting is good. So there's like solid evidence. I mean, it's a craft in itself and it's probably pretty horrific. I imagine he has horrible hours, but yeah, it's just what he does really. And I mean, he does it ambitiously too. He knows he's not like the most important uh, figure in the law enforcement, but he takes it seriously. It means quite a bit to him. Uh, and about how many years would you say Kevin has been doing this? He's probably, he's only just, 25. So he's, uh, I'm not sure how long like a school for that would have taken, but I, I would guess maybe like three years. So not that long. He has like a peer group in there that he does sports with as well. Uh, I'm thinking like Josh and Tim, his two uh, like pals at work, they also like took him under his wing, um, immediately connected with him. Yeah, this is, uh, I think, a kind of job where you need that. 
I mean, it can be very brutal. It's good to have like a team to rely on and people you know will be there for you. Uh, he's married to Haley. Haley is, well, a very caring woman and uh, he likes her a lot for that. Like she's always looking out, not just for him, but like for everyone, the family. Um, they don't have kids yet, um, but you know, she's looking out for her parents, his extended family as well. She has this thing with dogs. Like she took in three different dogs by now from like either like owners who abuse them or like animal shelters or whatever. So right now they have like an abused pit bull called Scarface, kind of like as a sardonic joke. Then Clara, a pack with like all the kinds of diseases you could imagine, like uh, asthma and uh, stumped legs and bad joints and really everything. You give her her insulin shot after every meal? Oh yeah, probably. And then uh, Luna, the newest acquisition, a corgi that doesn't seem to be much wrong with her by now, but uh, she's like from an illegal breeding site, so anything could happen. And what does Kevin think about his wife being, I'm sure he enjoys that she's a caring person, but what does he feel about her kind of like animal activism? Yeah, that's, it's something that he can't really argue with. He kind of accepts it mostly. He knows it's very important to her, so he's not trying to get her to stop, really, but it can be a bit much. Like uh, Sometimes he gets the feeling like she's mostly there for the dogs and not for herself, or even like for him, but he doesn't want to think that. It's kind of like a horrible thing, and he feels guilty. Yeah, but sometimes he gets a bit angry but he tries to swallow that anger when he has a really has had a really stressful night maybe and he gets home and like the dogs got scared of a car horn again and peed on the rug or something like that like i'm thinking especially scarface uh, looks horrible like it's this pit bull with literal scars from abuse on his face and you think it's like a really aggressive angry disturbing dog but really uh, it's just an anxious little pup at the core and gets scared of everything and runs away when the door swings open. So yeah. Well, it's a lot for him, definitely. Especially yeah. the the nature of his work and the intensity of it. Coming home and having these and being swarmed by dogs. It's it's a it's an experience. It's it's a unique home home thing. Yeah, but I mean there are times where he likes it too. He appreciates that there's something that takes his mind off whatever happened that day at work. And along those lines, um, with Josh and Tim, his his work buddies, he goes bike riding, like uh, bicycle riding, I should say, uh, on the weekends. And that's also very important to him. It's like something outside the city too. So he feels connected to like nature, I guess. And it's, it's time that uh, allows him to breathe and not feel stressed out. It's his outlet, definitely. And it's a shared activity that he enjoys with his friends as well. And your wife is a very caring person. And of course, she she's met Josh and Tim, and she really likes them as well, and really likes that you have a good core group of friends. She's a very supportive person. You really do sometimes feel like you really hit the lottery with her. 
because you've never met a person that is just so caring, even to a fault. So it's Friday morning. You are just arriving to a crime scene. You see Josh, he's already there. The scene that you're at right now, it's outside of a convenience store where somebody was actually gunned down in an act of gang violence. It's definitely not the craziest thing you've seen. You don't, you're, you're not from New York City, so it's not, you're not really used to dealing with lots of murders, but it isn't typically that uncommon in, in an urban environment. So you get this weird feeling as you go into it because you know that this one is kind of more like more serious. You see Josh, but I should also say you do have a way to kind of approach these situations because you've been in this line of work for three years. I think like the Kevin like builds up a professional air and attitude and like walls himself up to whatever has happened here. And for like the next like half an hour, what however long it takes. He like functions in his role. He knows the steps. It's it's a lot to take in eventually, but right now it's something that he works with. So I assume he like pats Josh on the back before putting on his gloves and then getting to work. You pat Josh on the back. He turns and smiles at you, still dusting the surface that he's looking at. He doesn't say anything. He just kind of gives you a smile. And you glove up. You start to get into your zone. You start to do the work that you do, and it's almost meditative, even though it's grisly. The body's already been removed from the area, obviously, but you still see the splatter of blood up against the brick wall of this convenience store. You still see the bullet holes in the window still intact. And as you begin to do your work, you start to think about that bike ride you're going to take after. It's nice. You're going to take a bike ride with Josh. And even though it's not like it used to be when Tim was still around, it's still going to be fun. Maybe you guys will hang out afterwards. And as you start to tape off certain areas and you start to take notes and mark down certain things, you begin to think about the third member of your friend group, Timothy. Tim was a guy that worked in the forensic unit with you and Josh. And essentially he was the third part of your friend group. Tim was a really cool guy. Tim actually read your fiction. He gave you feedback on it. But more importantly, he genuinely enjoyed it. He always made it seem like it wasn't a waste of time. Like it wasn't just a dumb hobby that you did. It was important. It was art. He was proud of you for doing it. He was an encouraging person. Sort of like the way that your wife is. I'm thinking uh, that means a lot to Kevin. Like He isn't really part of any writer's group. He hasn't really learned it. He just kind of started because it's easy to just start online and it it went from there and he's been uh, doing it for almost as long as his like job has been going like i'm thinking two years maybe yeah but he he's kind of self-conscious about it like i've been doing this for a really long time now but yeah it's shit anyway like it sucks don't look at it he has this like emo music attitude about it <laughs> he's probably the kind of guy that writes a lot, deletes a lot, reformats, re-edits, never shows anybody. Well, he does. I mean, he shares it online because it has this sort of anonymity that he doesn't have to feel as judged for it. Yeah, and he keeps like a schedule, like he tries to release something 
I'm thinking like maybe twice a month. And so uh, when like the release date comes, he knows like I can't fix everything, but I make sure that at least the the few points that are important to me, they are just right. He just publishes it and tries to not look back too much. And eventually it's okay. Like he can appreciate some stuff that he's come up with. How many people out there do you think are reading and enjoying your stuff? Is it a, a big fan base? It is, it is a small fan base? And I'm going to let you decide because... I don't think it's that big, honestly. I don't know. Like he, he probably has only a handful of people who actually engage with him, like send comments or whatever. And only very few of those he actually uh, connects with. Like he can write with them back and forth. Yeah, some of them are weirdos. Some of them are like uh, kind of just creepy military gun enthusiast guys that you're not really sure about. But some of them are just legit, interesting people interested in that type of fiction who genuinely enjoy your work. They enjoy reading it. They look forward to new releases. They look forward to you. Do you have any books? Like, have you written full books? No, I don't think he has. He has like this recurring hero, I think. I I didn't come up with a name. So it's like this undercover special agent kind of dude. Um, think like James Bond, but not as sleazy, but instead like... Some Jack Ryan stuff, dude. That's like, that's some legit Tom Clancy. <laughs> Tom Clancy yeah. cloning right there. Yeah, and I think that it helps Kevin to like have this idea uh, about like law enforcement like this these these super cool um guys who have everything figured out and who want to make the world a better place and like get all the bad guys but not be overly violent like follow the law and like yeah (laughs) and you do feel this weird dichotomy that the job that you work puts you in a position where it's it's harder to see the world in those sorts of black and whites the police always being good the bad guys always needing to be just got, but that's still like an ideal for you. So that's still something you write about. That's still almost like your version of fantasy is these powerful heroes in law enforcement that do right and that fix things. And that's what you want to present. So you do. Yeah. The world isn't that easy, but it's something to aspire to and like to not give up trying. So that's something that he feels is an important message and he, he likes to share it. You start thinking about your friend, Tim. You know, you and Josh are going to go biking later, but you miss the trifecta. Tim was such a cool guy and you're not really sure what happened to him because two weeks ago, he just left the job. Didn't show up to work. Didn't show up the next day. You know that this is the type of job where you can just show up when you want. So you knew that if he was ever going to come back, he was definitely going to be in some kind of trouble, but he didn't come back. And eventually you asked your supervisor, what happened to Tim? Did he get fired? Did, did he come in? What happened? And your supervisor, you remember the look on his face. He looked angry to even talk about it. You figured maybe they had a, a blowout or something. And he told you that this line of work isn't for everybody. Tim wanted out and he he's moving somewhere else and he didn't even bother to give his two weeks. He just left a message that he was, he was leaving. And that's all that I know. And I'd just rather not, you could see that your supervisor was just upset, just more upset than anything to lose a good person. 
but maybe just selfishly upset to be undermanned to just have one less employee, one less person on the team. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough anyways. It's not easy to find new folks for this job. How long was Tim a, a member of the team? Like way longer than I was probably. Tim was a little bit older than you, maybe 10 years older than you. Okay. So he had been on the team for almost a decade, like almost a decade, like maybe seven or eight years. Right. And you just never saw this coming, really. Maybe he had yeah, like I've, a break. Maybe something happened with like a family member. I feel like a little bit of a bad friend, maybe, because I don't know what's going on. Tim like never told me, like, was there something up with like his family? Did he have some sort of like terrible disease himself or just something he never wanted to talk about? That kind of sucks. And the other downside is Josh isn't really it's not really the same when it's just the two of you because Tim brought out, brought out the best in Josh as well. And this absence is felt by everybody. It's just not the same when you guys hang out. He's still your best friend. You obviously couldn't not hang out with him. It still feels like something that you need to do to go biking and do your hobbies. You're not sure what you would do if you, did, if you didn't do that. You're a healthy person. You, you live like a healthy, active lifestyle. You eat pretty healthy. You're able to stick to a, a routine and a schedule. You're not like a lazy person or a couch potato at all. But it's because of the behaviors that you have. It's because you, you engage in healthy hobbies like riding, riding bikes, spending time with people. And you know this. So you feel like you have to keep up with this to, to maintain that. Yeah, I think um, I'm getting like a feeling of like losing grip of my my routine and maybe I'm like even starting to like question it a little bit and like think like what if Josh and I like have a falling out like what if we like don't in, enjoy our time together without Tim like I'm gonna be super fucking lonely like what the fuck do I do <laughs> like besides walking dogs and going to work and sitting in front of my computer you finish up at the crime scene you're done debriefed on everything And you and Tim go back to the station to get your belongings. And I don't know if uh, probably have your bikes at home or how you would have had that arranged, but we're just going to say fast forward two hours, you are biking down a bike trail. It's about two in the afternoon. You're feeling the wind against your hair. You're feeling that breeze and seeing the rush of foliage past you. What time of year would this be? Early fall. All right, yeah. And it's the year 2015. Okay. You feel this cool breeze. You're wearing like a windbreaker right now, so you're not cold. Josh is riding ahead of you. You're in the middle, or you usually would ride in the middle, and Tim would ride behind. And you guys would kind of have this three-person formation. And you take a glance behind you, and you realize that he's not there. And you feel that. And you press on. After the ride is done, you guys usually do the same few rides. There's a few different trails that you guys like to check out, but they're pretty straightforward. Um, no like inclinations or anything. It's more just like a nice way to spend time with them. Yeah, just take a look at you know nature a little bit. I think especially like in the fall on the East Coast, it, it's actually quite beautiful. Like enjoy the last few warm days. It really is. Like people travel from all over the country, supposedly, to 
see the New England foliage. So yeah, absolutely. It's quite a sight to take in. When the bike ride finishes, you're in the lot to where the trail starts. And it's kind of, it's just a dirt road parking lot with maybe one or two other cars there. You and Josh are parked next to each other and you guys are putting your bikes back onto the bike racks and just getting ready to go home for the day. Josh is strapping the the bike onto the back of his Jeep and he looks up at the the sun, which is shining through onto the onto this lot. It's kind of blinding. You do feel it's it's warm for early fall. Well, I'll see you tomorrow then. Uh yeah, right. Josh, um you wanna like hang out, you know, maybe do some barbecuing or whatever, like before like the rainy season starts. Uh yeah, like when? I don't know. Like next weekend maybe. I haven't I haven't told Haley yet. It's just like a quick idea, so I'm not sure I can do this weekend. Are you okay, man? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Whenever you want. Okay, yeah, excellent. Josh gets in his car and drives away. Yeah, I think like Kevin would uh like wipe off some of the dirt from his bike, like attach it to his car, take his whatever vitamin water or uh, whatever it is from from like the ho holder on his bike and step inside. And he like uh, texts his wife like bike ride uh, done barbecue next weekend maybe and question mark puts it down. She texts you back, of course. She's already very excited talking about what type of veggie burgers she wants you to buy at the store. You feel, you probably feel a sense of control when you plan things like this, when you try to keep things together with activities and events. But you're also not sure that this kind of stuff would happen without you trying. You're kind of afraid that Josh is not the type of person that take, would take the initiative to do this. Yeah, exactly. That's why it was so important to like ask him on the spot, like, Like, don't go away and uh, not come back, maybe. The rest of the night goes by pretty quickly. You just are relaxing at home. I don't know. Maybe you work on writing or something. Maybe you just watch TV with Haley. But you feel pretty tired, so you crash early. At about three in the morning, you wake up. Your cell phone is ringing. It's on vibrate, but it's rumbling on the desk enough to have woken you. You turn and look at Haley. She's still sound asleep. I like reach for my phone and try to see whether there, uh, what name shows up on like the display. You see a number, one six one seven three eight. It's nothing that's in your contact list. I'm thinking like Kevin like rolls his eyes, tries to leave like the the bedroom, probably falls over a dog or something, and totally fails at being quiet. Uh, he picks up just because like it's his nature uh, with his job and everything. It could be something important. You know, he's not thinking, oh, that's definitely a spam call. He, he's thinking like, what if this is like my second cousin or something? Like someone I haven't had talked to in 10 years, but now they need my help. Um, something like that. So you are able to just get out of the room. You walk down the hallway over to where the upstairs bathroom is. And you can either go downstairs to go outside. You can go into the room. You're pretty confident. Haley, being a heavy sleeper, won't wake up. But still, it's more so that you would like to not wake her 
then you're trying to be secretive probably because yeah, exactly. you know there's yeah. no no reason for you to be getting a strange call yeah maybe he would just like go to the bathroom turn on the lights there look at himself in the mirror and like look uh, take that atmosphere of the bathroom like everything's kind of white and uh, shiny and reflective to like wake himself up a little bit it's very jarring when you go into the dark bathroom shut the door behind you and turn the lights on and that cold clinical sterile light that just shines down and illuminates the room you swear you can hear the buzzing of it as it turns on you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror Whew, that's kind of a shock too just seeing yourself freshly woken like that you can see that you're a little bit disheveled maybe have some dark circles under under your eyes still and they're not fully opened yet the phone is still ringing and oh yeah he he would pick up you pick it up and you put it to your ear. You can hear driving in the background. Sounds kind of like fast driving. If you could hear such a thing. Sounds like revving and you hear like some tire squealing. Kind of like reckless driving, not like fast engine, okay? Yes, exactly. And you can hear breathing, but no vocalizations. I think Kevin would like freeze a little bit. Like he was expecting like, hello, this is blah, blah, blah. And I need X, Y, Z. He's just waiting. For a moment, you consider if you're dreaming because you just, you just answered the phone and you're not sure if you're hearing like a car accident happening, if this is a misdial, what is going on? So after a while, he would be like, <clears throat> hello, like tr still trying to find his voice because he just got up. Who is this? Hello. You can just still hear this this breathing. And you can hear voices in the background now. Sounds like a male and a female. They seem to be distracted with something else, even though they're still on the line. And after you hear like another loud tire screech and a aggressive acceleration, you hear a female voice. Kevin. Kevin. Yes. Are you alone right now? Even though he knows he's like alone, he probably like turns around <laughs> i'm thinking like probably set down like the cover on on the toilet and like, sits down yeah uh, i'm alone my name is maria i'm a friend of tim's okay something is going on right now and we need you we need you like now uh what tim told us that you were his most trusted friend and timothy is no longer with us and we need you for something no no longer with you? Who are you again? What department do you work for? Like he's totally thinking like Tim probably changed to another town doing like the exactly same the same thing. Look, if you get down here, we can we can talk to you about it. Is it okay if we pick you up? Uh where? We can be at your house shortly. Listen, Kevin, this is important. I know that deep down You want to do something that can really change this world. You want to do something that's important. Tim told us that. And now's your time. This isn't really an option. Okay. Yeah. The phone hangs up. What's going on in your head right now? I think Kevin is like super confused. This was very out of the ordinary. Like he, he probably got some sort of phone call at night before from work. 
but it was different. You know, it was like maybe his, uh, like the manager he talked to and he was like, sorry to wake you up, Tim. Um, someone got sick. You need to step in right now. Or like a couple of things are happening at the same time. There's like hot weekends of sorts where like a bunch of shit happens every now and then. But this was like different be because like he doesn't know this Maria or Marie. She didn't provide any information either from where she comes from. But that's like scratching an itch for like the like the CSI uh, or you know NSA kind of shit that he's that he's always like. Uh, fantasizing about and writing stuff about and i mean uh, she mentioned tim to him and that means something to him obviously and he has like this sense of doing important work for the world so that also was something she touched upon so i think after like collecting himself for a moment he would like brush his teeth and like get all his like his work gear wear yeah not his best clothes you know and put on his overall uh, you know one of those disposable ones uh, that could be like covered with all kinds of gunk and then thrown away those really thin like i don't know what it is it, i think it's some sort of like cotton uh, like pressed cotton of sorts it's not woven so it's really thin but it covers you completely like head to toe and your hair and everything And he has that ready, not all the way zipped up because it's uncomfortable, but, you know, it's like hanging off his shoulders. About 10 minutes pass, 10 minutes that feel like an eternity. And this pickup truck screeches to a halt in front of your house. And you see it kind of riles up the dogs a little bit. And you're just thinking to yourself, what the fuck? You start to maybe question this whole thing, but you're in too deep right now. I'm thinking he has like a like a ritual of what to do if these things happen like it's rare but it comes up with his job so maybe he has like a fridge magnet or something and leaves like a sticky note or not sticky note but you know just a note that he had prepared like had to leave for work so if Haley gets up she'll know and it's not uncommon crimes happen at all hours of the night and you are called in at all types of random hours so this would not be uncommon for you to be called into a, a scene. And you're not even sure that that's not what's happening right now. Yeah, but it was weird. Like, he's not sure. Is Marie just untrained or is she, is she super trained and just uh, doesn't know how to, how to explain it to him? You can see outside this red pickup truck. You see, although it's dark, it's about 3 a.m. right now. And although it's dark, you can see from the light of your front porch, the person inside the car, it's about a 60-year-old man. He has a military-style buzz cut. He's wearing a short-sleeve, white button-up shirt, and his arm is hanging out the window. You see a waterproof diving watch on his arm as it rests against the door of this pickup truck from the outside. And he's just lightly kind of tapping on it anxiously. You see next to him in the passenger seat, slightly obscured by the darkness of the inside of the car, a woman sitting next to him. She appears to be about 40 to 45 years old. She is a Latina woman, you would think. Uh, she has very curly, dark hair and brown skin. And 
you just see that when they get to the front of your property, they turn the lights off and they leave the engine running. I think Kevin would like open the door so they don't ring the doorbell and wake the dogs up again or something like that. So he he's actively like stepping towards them. He's probably, I don't know if he already has his boots on. Maybe in fact, because he had to wait a little bit. And you also notice that they're not exiting the vehicle. They seem to just be waiting for you to enter, even though it's a pickup truck and you're not really sure where you're going to fit. Okay, yeah, then he steps out, like closes the door, grabs all his stuff. I'm, I'm thinking he probably has like, I don't know, would it be like a toolbox kind of thing or like a backpack? I think toolbox. I would think sorts. so too. Maybe like a, almost like a tackle box, but not like a literal tackle box, but just like a heavy duty box that just contains all of the supplies that he uses during his day to day. Yeah. So he has that. He probably has some, you know, assorted gear for like going out at night, like a flashlight on his um, on his belt. Uh, he has a camera with him. That's part of his gear as well. Maybe that's even like in the in the toolbox. That's just the stuff and all the disposable stuff, you know, like wipes and I don't know sterile pincers and everything else like that. You get outside. And as you start to walk towards the, you begin to walk towards the driver's side window. The man in the truck is eyeing you. And as you approach, he, he reaches out the, the window with the other hand and goes to shake yours. Wilson, nice to meet you. I'm coach. Yeah, Kevin like uh, exchanges this, the toolbox into his left hand and like reaches out with his right and shakes it awkwardly like through the window. Hi, coach. Throw your shit in the back and hop in. It's a two-hour drive. We got to get going now. Uh, where to? And he like puts his back into like, uh, what is it? Like a truck. So it has. It's like, like a pickup open. truck. So it has like a completely open back. It's very deep. So you know that as long as something has like a little bit of weight to it, it's not going to fly away or anything like that or thrash around yes, too much. Still, Kevin probably cringes heavily at the thought and like takes out his camera and he's not leaving that in the back of the truck. That would like that would suck. And he probably gets scolded by by management for like destroying one of those super high quality expensive cameras. Oh you can just picture it. This expensive camera that's not yours belongs to the department and it's just rolling around in this back in the back of this pickup truck that for all you know is going to be driving 180 miles an hour like you the the way that it sounded was a little bit crazy because you could hear the types of maneuvers that were happening and when he tells you to just throw it in the in the trunk you're like uh you see the woman in the passenger seat start to scoot into the middle seat so there's like one row it's just driver middle passenger passenger seat All right. And she opens the door and just kind of pushes it ajar so that you can get in. Yeah, so I'm thinking like Kevin is in the back of the truck, like grabs his camera, thinks a little bit, but that's probably the the important thing. The rest can easily be replaced. He straps it like around his neck, puts the the, uh, bag he has like in the back and then walks around to the other side of the vehicle where the open door is. And he holds out his hand again to like shake that of Maria. Nice to meet you, Kevin. My name's Maria Ortega. 
and she reaches her hand out to you. You see she's very professionally dressed in a pantsuit. You think maybe FBI or something. Yeah, I'm thinking the way they the two dress is like reassuring to him. Like these are not some random hillbillies taking me like for a weird ride. They are official looking. The second you get in and the door shuts, this car just starts flying. And it and the car goes for a little bit before a coach hits the lights back on. And you get filled with a sense of adrenaline as you begin this fast descent through the night. Coach just peels onto the highway and Maria is immediately taking out documents. Kevin, let me just start by saying I'm a friend of Tim's. Colleague, you could say. When he left your department, he started working with me and Coach and a few others. The type of shit we do, it's... How do I say this? I'm thinking Kevin is like doing the active listening thing. Uh, You know, something that he's picked up during his training. When people talk to you, uh, like on the radio or something, you're always supposed to like acknowledge everything very... um, you know, elaborately, you you say, I got it, instead of, mm-hmm. And uh, he does that as they're, like, speeding along the highway, so to make sure, like, they're on board with everything. Tim, Coach, and I, the few other peoples that are part of our cell, we, when we're not doing our day jobs, we're trying to prevent certain shit from happening. And that's the best way I can try to explain it. Coach, do you want to chime in here, maybe? And you just see he turns to Maria and kind of just gives a a smirk, but looks back at the road. Tim really believed in this stuff. There's certain things out there that mankind is not meant to know. People aren't meant to see. Kevin, did you ever feel like people in our line of work, and it doesn't matter what job you have, people like us, we do this because we want to make the world a better place. Yeah, of course. So you're like with the... With the FBI? Or are you you like military? They both kind of turn over to you and give a smile. Tim told us you were good at this kind of stuff. Yeah, you basically nailed it. Look, I'm a federal agent. Coach here, he's ex-military. The group that we're part of, it's wide-reaching. People in the know, they try to help out with certain things. They try to keep certain things under wrap to protect the normal people. The people that are out there just trying to live their lives, the people that aren't equipped to handle some of the harsher truths of reality. And you see Coach is kind of shaking his head. Maria, don't try that. Just just tell them what we're doing. It's a lot to explain. It's a lot to take in. Tim told us that you were an open guy and you were a good person and you believed in doing the right thing. So we had no choice but to call you. Tim had a bit of a meltdown a couple weeks ago and He's, well, he's not going to be doing this type of work again. You see her face looks very saddened. Can you tell me what happened to him? Management at like my local department doesn't want to get into it. And I don't think they know either. Tim had some kind of breakdown on his last stop. He tried to keep doing it, but told him if he kept going, he was destined for the rubber room or worse. He's out of commission. The programs moved him somewhere else to try to protect him. Try to make sure he doesn't fuck anything up that we might try to do in the future. But he was one of the best. He's lucky to be alive. But you need to understand, Kevin, the type of stuff that's out there, the type of stuff that we deal with, he's never going to be the same person again. But he told us that you were strong. He told us that 
you were the type of person that might be able to deal with this type of thing, at least in in theory. You see, most people can't even accept what's out there. UFOs, aliens, Bigfoots. It sounds crazy, but there's much weirder things than we understand in this universe. So this is probably the point where she like loses Kevin. He was like super getting into it and like, fuck, what's Tim getting into? And like, holy shit, was he some kind of secret agent all along? That's why he could never talk about these things. And Can you give me an alertness roll? At the point where she like says, Tim said he was strong. He was like, am I really? But I mean, I have to do it for Tim. Like I have to look out for my friend and make things right, you know? They broke him and now he's like, now he lost everything. And I mean, I have to do something, right? And then she comes uh, around the corner with like UFOs, <laughs> Bigfoot. So alertness, uh, is that, okay, that's a skill. I have 60 in that. So I'm rolling 1D100 against that. 22, I think that's a crit success. It is indeed a critical success. So in this pickup truck, you smell fire and burnt hair and traces of blood and body odor. And you are getting the impression that the people in this car just came out of something probably pretty extreme. You look at them and you can kind of see dirt on their faces, maybe even like ash or something, a little bit of blood splatter on the collar of Coach's white shirt. All right. So... This also sounded pretty serious right until he mentioned like U- UFOs. Are you like serious? Also, what kind of war zone did you crawl out of right now? Coach starts to chuckle. Did you really just say UFOs? Why don't you just tell him what we're doing? That way there he can decide if he wants to do it or not. And you see Coach is getting a little bit irritated. Stop beating around the bush, Maria. Just tell him. We need you to pose as a new management team of the local office of McPherson Logistic Solutions. And as far as anybody knows, it's an international shipping company. They were led by, what should I say? We'll call them hostels. And they're gone now. We took care of it. The cover story, local managers were embezzling money. The FBI talked to them and they all fled. And you don't have to worry about the home office because it doesn't exist. The problem is we can't burn this place down and we need to keep it under our control. How does Kevin feel about hearing somebody so casually mention burning a place down? I think this is like, like before he could like process each bit of information at a time, like everything about Tim. And he was like eager to find out more. Then there was like this break with like UFOs and Bigfoot. And now she mentions like the mission plan. And it's just like too much. Like he doesn't even remember the name of the company anymore and he, the people beforehand and what home office and burning down. Is that like a euphemism? Is that literal? Like what the fuck is even going on? Like he's completely in over his head right now. Look, Tim told us you were a forensics guy and a cleanup guy too. And that's what we needed. So that's why we called you. Like Kevin starts nodding and, I, and says, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I do. That's what I know. Like, what do you need me to do? Okay, this place, they have employees too. We need you to be there at the office. Tell the workers to go home and wait for your call before they can come back because these people that work there have no idea about anything that's going on here. 
we got an agent there right now. He's cleaning it up. We just need you to go there, help him with whatever he needs. And we need you to be quiet about this. And me and coach have to go take care of something else. Look, are you in? Okay. Okay. Who do I work for again? Like in my cover story. Well, you can say whatever you want. Basically, Graham's trying to clean up the, had a little bit of a messy shootout in this building and it, it needs a thorough, it needs a, a thorough cleanup. And the only people we think are going to be there bothering you are the employees. So whatever you got to do to get, keep them out. I'm sure you can find a, what is it? Like a payroll record somewhere. Maybe you could call them beforehand, tell them work's canceled. I don't know. You guys got to think of something, but the thing is we don't really have time. So go down there, talk to Graham, see what he needs, help him out. And we can forget about this or we can keep going with this. I think you might want to. I think you might find that once your eyes are opened, they can't be shut again for better or for worse. And in some cases you see coach, he just puts his hand on Maria's shoulder and it's like, he just kind of motions for her to just stop talking. Okay. Okay. Talk to Graham, manage the workers, help the guy out. When are you going to pick me up again? Graham will give us the call when everything's clear. We'll bring you back home. Nobody's ever going to know you're part of this. You'll be doing a big help to Tim. And maybe I can tell you more. Maybe I can, I don't know. What about my work? Like my local department? What do I tell them? They don't know about this. And they're not going to. This is off the books, Kevin. Unofficial. Are you okay with that? We need to know now before we, before we get in too deep. I think Kevin is like staring for a little bit, uh, unfocused. Like, uh, I think his mind's racing, but he's not saying much of anything or like reacting at all. But eventually he like says, yeah, okay. Okay, cool. We started out as a World of Darkness podcast, but we have expanded our gameplay to multiple systems. Make sure to check out our games in Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu, Pathfinder, 13th Age, and much more 